All right, we are back here. Big Blue Report. The season right around the corner. We are back better than ever talking Giants football with two-time Super Bowl champion and former defensive captain of your New York Giants, Jonathan Casillas. We have the professor, the man, the myth, the legend, Ryan Darlington. I'm Randy Zellia from Back Sports Page. First off, guys, great to see you back. Training camp right around the corner, about two weeks away. Rookies report next week. Um, there's a couple of headlines that are going on with the Giants right now. Some minor headlines, nothing really big happening, but we'll break down a couple of these minor stories. Apparently, their star running back, Saquon Barkley, is still not signed on a franchise tag. He hasn't signed a long-term deal yet. But, hey, it's not too big of a deal. We're working through it. Uh, sarcasm not included. I got to tell you, I have a feeling this will go down to the wire just like Daniel Jones's contract did the last five minutes. JC, you've been around the league. You've been around this, the business side of it. Uh, you know, from what I do, I've never been around the business side where I've had teammates who are fighting for every dollar to try to get. How important is this to get this done for Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants? Well, it's already done. That's the thing. The franchise is already there, you know? So it's not like he has nothing and they're trying to figure out a situation. The Giants have all the leverage in this situation. Saquon admitted that in one of the interviews that he had. He understands that. He also said he's going to take it down to the wire, just like the Daniel Jones situation. So I definitely expect this to get resolved. I don't expect the contract to be, to be figured out. Look, I don't know what because we only hear rumors. We, we don't really know exactly what the numbers are per se, but all I know is it's not about the per year number. That's not what it's about. It's about that guaranteed money because Saquon Barkley, just like anybody that has put their you know bodies on the line for the NFL and understand what that is all about, they want security. And that's what Saquon wants. Saquon wants security. He wants to be able to be looked at and respected uh, like a top running back in the league because he is. And that's the thing, though. The Giants don't have to pay him because of that. You know, that's a good reason to pay a running back, but they don't have to. And, yes, he's not just a running back. He's a weapon, but he happens to pay running back. It's a devalue position. I never liked that because, I mean, you get a guy like that who has 300 touches on the year has over 2,000 all-purpose yards, and we're talking about giving them less than $10 million a year. Like, like no, you know, like, but that's a whole nother argument in itself, right, right. boys? We're not even going to go into that. All I know is they got Saquon. The Giants have him. You know, however you take that saying, they have him. And he's not going to not sign that tag. He's going to sign a tag if they don't figure out a deal, and he will be playing for the New York Giants. And I would actually prefer him to play on this tag because he's going to play angry. He's going to feel like, oh, you guys don't think I deserve that money? So he's going to run angry this year. And trust me, we want to see an angry running Saquon Barkley. That's going to be good for the Giants. It's going to be a great thing to watch, but do you want an angry Saquon? Barkley in the locker room? Does that he, cause more he's headaches? He's not that guy. He's not that guy. He is not. 
You don't think nope. it, none of that, none of that anger is going to bleed out into you guys didn't respect me with the long-term contract. He doesn't they're want gonna, money. He wants, they're going to respect him on the cap they give him and the touches they give him. That's where they're going to show him his respect. So let's say he does, he does play on the franchise tag. We pay him the $10 million this year. He has a, he has, he blows it up. He absolutely lights it up this season, right? Do we, do we sign him again? And he's actually willing pissed off enough to, to sign the, the second franchise tag that comes down the line next year? Well, if, if I would say if this was like a friend's situation where we're like, <laughs> okay, you're my friend here. Uh -huh. Of course, the deal makes sense after he proved it basically two years in a row. But in terms of business, it would make sense for the Giants to franchise him again. Yeah. That's that's the deal. And that, there's really no way around that. You know, yeah. they're now other deals who I wouldn't even say has more value, but more staying power, you know, and you, like the, the position that he plays that running back is a high, he's going to have a high volume number of touches mm -hmm. and that a, a collision position, like the linebacker position yeah. on defense and is the, the risky, the, the likeliness of injury is just a lot higher than a position yeah. like a D tackle, you know, or, you know, guys that got to play or even safety, um, you know, so it, it like I, I never like when players don't get the money I feel like they deserve, you know, sure. like he deserves it. But at the same time, it is a business. The NFL has always been a business and business will be done, you know, and, and the Giants, if they're not going to pay him this year, he plays exceptionally well. They're not going to probably pay him next year, you know, but the difference is, is. Saquon has a little bit more leverage next year to hit the market, you know, and actually get a one yeah. or two year deal from a that's this close. They're just missing that that guy that they can give the ball to twenty to twenty five times a game. And, and I also, oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. I guess I'll throw out one other point too. Again, I know you guys hated when I said it last year, and you hate when I say it again this year too. They're they're looking at the long term plan, and the shelf life of a running back is not as long as a quarterback or what you need from your offensive line. You know, you look at, you look back to the two giant Super Bowls against the New England Patriots and that offensive line group and that defensive line, those are obviously besides the quarterback, most important core groups of the team. There wasn't much turnover in that span. You know, you want to build that part of your team as, as quick, and I want to say as quickly as you can, but you want to be able to build not only a great offensive line, but you want to have depth. And a lot of that money is going to be going there over the next couple of years with Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, the center that they just drafted too. They still have to get a couple more guards. So that is their major priority. And like you said before, JC, the, the 10 million is there guaranteed. If they try to do another deal, they could try and make it a little bit less more guaranteed, a little less guaranteed money this season and put more on the back end. He's turning away the ten million guaranteed right now, which has been the big argument. Again, we've already said it to nauseum that that uh, Cook and Elliot are sitting home right now. Yeah, part okay. of the issue here is the fact that the that the franchise numbers are elevated, right? I mean, when you look at if they offered him a contract that was worth nineteen and a half million dollars guaranteed, right? That puts him below what he would make if he signed two franchise tags. Uh, in two successive years, but it would have made him the sixth highest paid running in the league. 
right, to accept that. So if you're talking about Dalvin Cook still sitting at home, if you're talking about uh, guys that are, you know, very, very good running back signing eight, $8 million deals, right, $8 million a year, something like that, it just franchise tag numbers are too high. And that's kind of pricing. It's almost pricing Saquon out of the market. Yeah, I hear you. I, I don't think it's too high, but you're saying it's too high because that's a fact relative to the other uh, I'm talking. I'm talking contract. about dollars, yep. not value. Yep. It, it does not represent the value that he has to this team, right? The value that he has to this team is $20, $30 million. I mean, it's, yep, it, it's a, sure. a substantial amount of money, but that's not where the market is. So yep. it's another one of my complaints about you know, free market economies is that true value does not, the money that people get does not necessarily represent the value that they bring to an organization. Yep. And that's what we're, that's what we're seeing here. You know, Saquon understands his value and the giants, they understand the market, Yep. you know, and Saquon does too. You know, that's why I don't think he ever said he's not trying to bank the bank. Yeah. He's like, Look, I'm not trying to break the bank. I'm not trying to be the highest paid running back in the league, but I need to be one of them. You know, I need to be compensated yeah. such because I'm a great player and right. I don't have a long shelf life, you know? Mm -hmm. So look, I hope they get a deal done and I'm just, I just don't think if they didn't get anything done by now, I don't really see something happen. I think the situation is totally different than Daniel Jones, um, given that the running back versus quarterback and the, the giants sat on that fifth year option with Daniel Jones. And that ended up costing them, you know, a lot of money, I think this year uh especially because they had to pay that man a lot of money as soon as he signed that contract but it gave the leverage with saquon barkley who is probably the best player on the entire football team and the thing is when you have that leverage you use it and that's good business that's yeah. all it is that the giants are doing is good business and saquon yes he's a selfish because you're supposed to be selfish. Yeah, you need to be. You, yeah, need you to have be to make selfish. you have to make every you dollar you possibly can. Because of what I dollar. just said about the yeah. Giants organization and any good organization, they're gonna do good business. Mm -hmm. You know, and Joe Shane and whoever the guys putting them contracts together and putting things together, they know what they're doing. And they have Saquon by the balls. That's mm -hmm. just the truth. Yeah. And I hate it, but that's the truth. Saquon knows it, they know it. Let's try to buddy buddy some money up for me because you don't owe me anything. That's the thing. Saquon is not old money. He's not old money. He's been paid for his services. And the thing is, if he doesn't get paid for the Giants next year, because he's already locked in this year with the franchise tag, even if they, they don't work out a deal, if he doesn't, he can go somewhere else. It's not going to be a happy market ever for a running back probably right. ever again. Yep. You know, but at the same time, he has that possibility. This year, though, he's either going to play for the New York Giants yep. or not going to play for anyone and the giants have him by the balls basically mm -hmm. right. yeah it's a matter of do you want do you want a happy saquon or do you want a mad saquon and either one is going to get you some pretty good yards yes yeah and sure. and i also just wanted to correct one thing too when when josh josh Sean and uh brian devil came aboard they made it clear that at that point in time they didn't pick up the fifth year option on daniel and they 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 sent subtle messages saying we want see what he's going to be able to do this year. And he came through with flying colors yep. uh, and he, and he earned, he earned his contract. Now the, the other thing with Saquon too, and you know, we were discussing it. Let's say we, let's say Monday comes 4 PM. He doesn't sign that tender mm -hmm. and he's not in camp and he ends up missing a few games. Are the, 
it's, I, I hate to say there's any pros, but is there any positive of that if he if he sits out games, or is this all bad news for the, for the Giants? It's it's mostly bad news for both parties involved. I think the only thing that you look at is that he not he's not going to take a beating this year. That's the only positive thing, but it also brings a negative thing that he's he hasn't played in the whole year, you know, and he's a year older. And then at a running back, even if you're not taking those hits, you're by older, you know, and how much wear and tear these guys put in their body at that position, you know, it's it's second to none. You know, that's why I'm always gonna be like kind of side eyeing that that market for the running back because you get a guy like this, he's not a running back that you could pay under ten million dollars. Like he's he's not that. He's a weapon that's very vital to the success of this franchise. You know, like yeah. And it is what it is, you know? So I think the only real pro out of this whole situation, if he decides to not sign that franchise tag and sit out the whole 2023 season, is that he's not going to get hit. There's really nothing else that is beneficial for him. Because yep. the only thing that gets better with age is what? Wine. That's it. Nothing <laughs> else. Definitely not running backs. That's already had – Thousands of yards in this NFL already, and in and, and several injuries. Yeah, and I also think too another uh, negative is you're you're now putting pressure on guys who are not used to getting the touches. You're you're expecting them to start carrying loads that they're just not used to doing. And Matt Breida has not been a number one back yeah. for God knows how yeah. long. You know, you know God, if, if ever, to, yeah, if ever. I mean, it would yeah. have to be a serious running back committee right we would have to use Brita we'd have to use Brightwell we'd have to use Gray we'd have to be very clever in how we did that uh but I mean basically without Saquon who it's very very arguable argue arguable the entire offense went through him last year uh it's you thought we were one-dimensional last year uh it's going to be it's going to be a nightmare uh, even though you know daniel has proved himself and he's gotten a lot of weapons it still makes your offense one dimensional and in our division that's that's not going to cut it and and i and i got to throw one other thing out there if for some reason saquon doesn't sign and you get into those first one or two games of the season and a guy like dalvin cook is available yeah if you're the giants so do you do you, I, again i don't like what ifs i don't like hypotheticals but you have to ask that question is would would he be would he be on the Giants' radar at a reduced price? I think he has to be at a reduced price. Yeah. Um, Dalvin Cook is a comparison. He's a comp to uh, our Saquon Barkley. Um, of course, I think Saquon's better. But if Dalvin Cook's come this year to the New York Giants and has over 1,500 all-purpose yards and averages almost five yards a carry like he does for his career, then I'll be like, okay, we got a guy that can replace Saquon. Okay, cool. So what? So be it. Business moves on, right? Life moves yeah. on. But we all want Saquon to play, yeah. right? Yes, we, do. we we all want him to play. I think that's a given. And just let that that Monday come. And mm -hmm. at four o'clock on Monday, we're gonna know we'll see what exactly happens. if that guy is gonna be the the star worth like we all know he is for the best franchise in football. Here, here. And uh, you know, we we made a little list of the things that we're gonna talk about. How so? That's how you feel it's gonna end. I feel that, like at three fifty-five, <laughs> at three fifty-five, we're all going to be locked on Twitter waiting for somebody to break this news. Um, I, I think I honestly think he's gonna. It's gonna be end up being on the tag, and that's what where we're gonna we're gonna look. We needed so we needed a little bit of drama. We needed a little bit of news. It's been quiet in Giant Land for for the last couple of weeks. 
So um, it's about to be firing up though. I, oh, love, yeah. I love this time of year. It's all anticipation, man. I can't <laughs> wait for camp. Um, I, I got to ask this question. I'm sorry for not putting it on the list, but I just remembered it now because we, we, I know we have a set topics. JC, there was the jets signed on to do hard knocks. Um, I know there was a little bit of talk about the giants doing it, but I think from what I understand, the giants turned down. You've been a player on a team where there's been lots of cameras, not exactly even hard knocks. Does that does that sort of become a distraction in a situation like that? Do you think it, that the players don't even think about it, or is it one of those things where hard knocks is a little bit of a distraction? I I, I think it is. I I always feel that you know you don't want to bother guys. They have enough to worry about during training camp as it is. You don't want to throw another camera in their face and have them talk about things maybe in the heat of the moment like that during camp. Yeah, I, I definitely say it's a distraction, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Some distractions are good distractions, you know? Like some of the guys might wake up a little bit earlier because they might be on camera. I don't know. You know, and the Detroit Lions, they had a, a great amount of success after, you know, what they did last year on Hard Knocks, which was entertaining television. I love Hard Knocks. I love watching it. And yep. you get to know players, uh, especially those guys that like are borderline, make the roster, and then they make the roster and they have good years. Like like Danny Amendola way back when when the Cowboys mm -hmm. did that, you know, and uh, you know, I, I it's I think it's I think it's dope. I think it's amazing. I think the Jets they're the perfect team to do this year. Yeah, you know, they have sure. so much talent, especially offensively, with the young talent that they have, and you got probably the the two best second year players offensively and defensively in, in Wilson and Sauce Gardner. And then the arguable goat of the playing, the quarterback playing right now in the four time Super Bowl, excuse me, four time MVP, one time Super champion, and Aaron Rodgers. And with his whole ayahuasca and his character, I think this is going to be some good TV this year yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I just couldn't figure that the Giants would be um, – obviously, the Saquon drama would be good for TV mm -hmm. with, with everything like that. But I just didn't feel what for what they're trying to do right now. The Giants didn't need that distraction. Well, we've uh, talked about Dayball and how he deals with the press, right, and how he likes to keep every he's – a, he's a Belichick protege. Can you imagine Hard Knocks being in the Patriots – I mean, come on. No, I there's, can't. There's, I can't. No, there's no way in any even alternate universe that that happens. I swear. I mean, so Dable being how he is with the media, I just never saw him say, hey, uh, come on in. See everything that we do. Talk to all of our players. Right. Get a good inside view into how we do things. No, no, no. I think the only, if there was one other team that I could picture doing it this year, I would have thought maybe the Broncos just because you would have had Sean Payton there mm -hmm. and Russell, Russell Wilson bounces back. Yeah. That, I think that would have been very, that would have been, uh, that would have been they, good. They did something mid season with the Cardinals, didn't they? They tried that out. We'll have to see if they try to do something like that again. But Jason, was that, was that, was that the Cardinals or the Colts? Yeah. Or was that the was, year prior? That was the year prior. I think right. it was uh, this time around. It was the Cardinals, but uh to your point, JC, like I, I, I love the fact that Khalil Pimpleton came to the Giants off of the mm -hmm. practice squad from the from Detroit, and I've been waiting to see the guy. And I, I hope he, uh, I hope he's able to secure himself a, at least a practice squad spot this year. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm rooting for the guy because of hard knots. So I hear what you're saying. Yep. Uh, we'll get real quick transition over. Uh, you know, 
with this preseason sort of starting now, we always get the Hall of Fame. It's one of the best weekends uh, in football. And a lot of Giants. Is it really? Is it? Well, it's good to celebrate. Football's back, right? Football's back. (laughs) That's that's the important I played in that Hall of Fame game. That shit sucks. That shit. You show up a week before everybody else in the whole entire league. People are still like with their wives and training and doing whatever they're doing. And you out there, you're the only one on television. You're like, oh, yeah, the whatever team just reported. And there's nobody else reporting for another six days. You know what I'm saying? And then you play an extra preseason game. Bro, yeah. it sucks. It's terrible. Oh, oh good. Well, so, that's, so there's a view on it we weren't expecting. Thank you. Um, yeah. uh, we'll go with that. You know, cool. it's it's one of those things, though. Like What I mean by that is the Hall of Fame is because we celebrate the guys who are going in. And this year's, uh, there's six Giants uh, semifinals for the Hall of Fame this year, including uh, former head coach Tom, uh, former head coach Tom Tom Coughlin and the late Dan Reeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Banks is back on there again. Everson Wells, Otis Anderson, and uh, Charlie Carnwell. I got to I got to ask JC uh, before we get into Coughlin. You've worked with Carl Banks a little bit over the last, especially over the last year. How much does he deserve to get in? Because I, 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 as a person, you can't ask for a nicer guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's not how the Hall of Fame works. Oh no! I know so even though yeah. he's a great person and he's great uh, for the radio, he's great at what he does. He was a way better football player. Let me tell you that right now. He was a way better football player. He was one of the leaders, you know, the anchors of the, the team before Lawrence even got there, right? Yep. You know, so he was a guy that's been around. He was the guy that helped that transition from, I guess, uh, just a franchise to one of the better franchises in the NFL and a championship franchise, you know? So he's one of the guys, the originators, like he's the reason why the Giants, when you think, defense you think banks you think taylor like he's one of those guys he's one of the original guys that you know has left a mark on this franchise for and ever and ever and ever so he's a lot more important to the new york giants and everything that he's done than to the overall nfl but it would be so good for him to get in there because he is one of the better players that i think ever played in the nfl and in his contributions retirement and everything he's still part of the giants broadcast team you know doing the play-by-play to color he's a color analyst and you know i'm sitting there learning from him you know week in and week out i'm sitting there watching i'm like hey man you killed that you know like you know he's he doing he does he does a great job you know and and definitely would like him to get i i feel like that's like for a guy like that who is not like a given hall of famer and he's getting up there in age and he's about to retire from everything and mm. not do nothing and just kind of sail away you know, to wherever country or part of the world he wants to go to. Like, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, like before I died, I was able to go to the Hall of Fame, you mm-hmm. know, and I think yeah. I think guys like that, we got to do it before, you know, they kick the big one, which is, I hope, long, long time from now. But he got time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what about Otis Anderson? Oh, OJ. So listen, man, he's another one of those guys. He was one of the, <laughs> you know, the first real bruising running backs that, you know, hit the league. You know, he brought it to guys, you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of guys in the Hall of Fame that felt him. And they're like, man, <laughs> you know, like they felt him throughout his pet playing time. You know what I mean? That dude ran hard. He ran angry, you know, and he's another guy. Good guy. Giving back. 
I've done a lot of community work with him, you know, over the years. And definitely, man, like, look, I'm all for it. You know, I know I have no chance. You know, I'm already in New Brunswick Hall of Fame, which is, you know, I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? And I don't think Wisconsin's going to happen. I'm okay with where I'm at right now. Now I'll just cheer for my other guys, like like Otis and Carl Banks. I want to let you know that I was a finalist here in my basement to get my stuff retired. Right, I, I lost out on nice. that too. And you <laughs> lost? Damn, I lost. I lost that that's rough. Hey. Lo- <laughs> it's tough the, out there on them. The huh? stuff, the stuff on the back wall is the closest thing to retirement and getting retired. <laughs> uh, guys, the late Dan Reeves. Um, Dan Reeves was the head coach when I really started getting into football when I was old enough to start watching, um, and he was like the you know that last coach with Phil Sims and LT. I, I think Giants fans, especially the current Giant fan base, doesn't understand the mark that Dan Reeves left uh, in the game of football. And I hope at some point he does make it in because he was a hell of a coach. Yeah, he had a heck of a tenure with Atlanta after he after yeah. he uh, left the Giants too. So he had longevity in the league. He had a he had a pretty good winning percentage, right? He has a uh, I think he's got a few Super Bowls under his belt, right? So I mean, look, he he's uh, he's as Serving as a lot of the guys that are up there. And Who was of course, Dan Reeves' quarterback when he was here? Uh, he he started off with Phil Sims. Okay. And then he had Dave Brown. And then that then after that it started while after I think right around the time he left it was walling around between Danny Canal and Gant Graham and and a few other guys. But you know he he had a, he had a tough run here. That's that's tough when your first your first quarterback is Phil Sims. And then after that. You know, you have, you have big, big shoes to feel when uh, Bill Parcells leaves. Yeah. And so who took over after Dan Reeves? Was it Fossil? I think it was Fossil. Straight to Fossil? Yeah. I think mm. it was Fossil. And that was that was a tough run for Fossil. I'm going to look that up because yeah. I just want to make sure. Um, that's but, when I first started watching. So Fossil was the coach. Kerry Collins was the quarterback. That's, yep. that's when I really yep. started to get into it. Tiki, Tiki Barber in the backfield. Tiki Barber yeah. in the back. Yes, did indeed. I, did I ever tell you the story about – about me shaking hands with Kerry Collins and telling my friend to take a picture? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so my first autograph was Tiki Barber. That was my first autograph ever. And I was nice. one of those kids. And I, it's so funny because, you know, now that, you know, I played in the league for a while and I've done so many signings that I was the kid that got my ball signed that I played football with. Yeah. And as soon as now that I signed those – it's like, yeah, that's gonna be done or lost within two days. <laughs> within two days, you know. So I had Tiki Barber autograph on a ball that I played with. Sure. And it was probably gone within a yeah. week. Um, and then this was back in the day where they had the um not the Polaroids, but the 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 the, 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 the throwaway cameras, the instant camera, whatever yeah. it's called, mm-hmm. and you roll it like this. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Polaroid, yeah. Polaroid. Yeah. It was a Polaroid. That's a Polaroid. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't. It wasn't the, that one. It was the, the, the shaking one. It was the, the Walgreens, yeah. right? That's to right. Develop. And you set the whole goddamn thing, right? You yeah. just give them the whole fucking camera, and they, they so, develop it. Just to put some context on that for our younger viewers, <laughs> there was no watch the picture when you take the picture. That's there was right. none of that. No. Uh, you take the picture and you see you whatever pray. they develop. That's right. So I told my boy that was with me, I said, you got to get a picture of me shaking Kerry Collins' hand. And I watched him do it. He did it. And I'm like, all right, boom, I got Kerry Collins. You know, I was gassed. Couldn't wait to get the pictures developed, right? So we go get the pictures developed. Well, and I'm searching through the pictures. I'm searching through the pictures, searching <laughs> through the pictures. And I look and I see a picture of me shaking Kerry Collins' hand, but the thing is, 
it was only our hands. <laughs> and it was <laughs> nothing else in the pictures. <laughs> it was just our hands. <laughs> it was just our hands. Literally, wrist in uh, yeah, the wrist, hands. Wrist. Big old I was so hand. like excited to see it. I've been telling everybody about. It. I got a picture with Carrie Collins, blah, blah, blah. and yeah, I got a picture of our hands. <laughs> I, I I I have one that's sort of similar like that, but it's with the cell phone. You know, the first time I went to L, the LPG's uh, game. You know, mm-hmm. that first year, the L, the first year, and you know, I, I when I first started covering the Giants, it was the the Super Bowl year against the Patriots, but. I didn't get to get that much. And I was a big Bradshaw fan. I love Ahmad Bradshaw. You know, he is yeah. like, he, to me, I like, I know Brandon Jacobs. It was the house that you couldn't you He would just knock you over, but I just love Bradshaw. So I finally got to meet Bradshaw and I'm like, let me take a quick picture with you. The person who I gave the phone to take the picture or, or no, I had the thing. I pressed the record button and it was a video and it wasn't a picture. So I have a video of the sideways, and it's me talking with them. <laughs> uh, oh, that was an absolute disaster. Well, at, least, at least they got to see both of y'all. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's true. The two different Verifiable that this one was actually my Bradshaw, not just some yeah. white dude's wrist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, to answer your question, Jim, it was Dan Reeves and Jim Fossil, then Tom Coughlin. Dan Reeves, yeah. okay. So speaking of Tom Coughlin, uh, this to me is a no-brainer. I I hope Tom gets in this time through. I there's a piece of me that would love to have Tom hold off so he can go in with Eli. Mm, I I, wow. I, th- I think that would be something special for for both of them. But JC, can you give us some sort of uh, memory because you were there with Tom during his uh, his last season with the Giants? Uh, what kind of coach was he, and what kind of person was he? Because the media only got a certain type of. And I have a Coughlin story for you in a minute from a media perspective, but give us from the player side of what kind of man Tom Coughlin was. Well, I think since he left, the Giants have been trying to figure out what the culture of the New York football Giants will be, you know, and I think Dayball, you know, I think he's figured that, you know, and laid his flag down as the next, you know, time period of the New York Giants franchise uh, which for the last six years was non-existent. There was no culture for the New York Giants. You had four different head coaches come in and subpar seasons. You had uh, a talented running back. You had a quarterback who was overrated at the time. And you get the right guy in there and he establishes culture. And you see how Tom Coughlin was able to do the things he did because he had culture here. There was the five minute early to everywhere thing, and I heard about it. Everybody knew it about the throughout the league, and I thought you just show up early five minutes, right? No, the clocks every single clock in the building is five minutes early, so you better turn your alarm clock to your house to at least five minutes early to be on the same page as the as Tom Coughlin because he ain't played no games. Nice. Like when I say no games, bro, I'm gonna tell you two different things, right? The first one was my cell phone. He didn't want no cell phones outside of the locker room. That's that's kind of tough, buddy, especially when we go eat in the cafeteria. And that's a good time to check your phone, especially because you don't got a lot of time during the day, right? Yeah. So one time I was walking out the locker room and I had my phone in my hand. He was like, get that phone like out of your hand. I looked at him like, what the f- <laughs> you know, like, you, you know, and I, and I put my phone away. And that day, 
He was like, I don't want nobody in the hallways with their phones. And he was like grilling me in the meeting the whole time, like looking yeah, at me. Yeah, yeah. He didn't never, <laughs> he didn't find me or nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but that was like the first, like, hey, you he know what I mean? the like, ire. <laughs> and then the second time, now this is where, like, I was like, all right, bro, you, you, you do a little too much. So one much. time it was, um, I guess it was us running out to the field uh, and, Man, we were like, I I wasn't late, bro. Like I did, like then I I wasn't late. Like, look, the practice starts when everybody's on the field and the music starts and we start doing, you know, our stretching and stuff. I was on the field when the music started, you know, and he fined me for that, and he didn't yeah. even say nothing to me. He didn't even say nothing. I just saw fine, and I'm just like, I was what? late. And then I went to go talk to him about it. You know, hey, he was like. He looked at me like JC, like you know, like you, you know, huh, you know you was late, and I was like, but I was on the field. He was like, nah, like you know what late is. <laughs> That's late. <laughs> but for me, it was like it was no jokes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he could have let me slide, but he didn't. You nope. know what I mean? And, well, and that's the thing. He could not. He couldn't let you no, slide. He couldn't. He, right. He couldn't. He yeah. he held people accountable every you time. Know? And and that's what I noticed for me. He, yes, he was no games, you mm -hmm. know. But you need to be no games against, yeah. not not against, but when you're dealing with all of these different characters mm -hmm. that have culture in themselves, you know. You you got Michael Strahan, you got Eli Manning, you you got Ahmad Bradshaw, Brandon Jacobs, like oh. everybody along the defensive line, you know. Like mm -hmm. they're all culture in itself. You have to establish your culture. This is how we're gonna do things. That's what Dayball's doing. Yeah. So I think Tom Coughlin established something here so great that Mara has been trying to, the Tishes, they've been trying to figure out how to get another guy in here like that because that's a guy that takes, that's what it takes to win here in New York. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why it's so hard to win here in New York. Tom Coughlin figured it out. Mm -hmm. Eli Manning figured it out. Them two together did that. Just like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. There wouldn't be no, you know, Eli Manning without Tom Coughlin. And I think that's vice versa. You know, yeah. and like you said, that'd be a a beautiful thing if they yeah. go in at the same time. That'd be awesome for sure. Yeah. And and I also I want to share this one Coughlin story. When I was uh, I think it was 2013, 2014, and uh, I was still new to covering a team. And Coughlin's up. I wasn't there the day before, and Coughlin's up at the podium. And this young kid was there and asked a question. I don't even remember what the question was. I bet you if I really dig through my audio, I probably have it. But he asked the question, and Coughlin just looks at the kid, leans over the podium and says, son, were you here yesterday? Because I discussed that yesterday. And and I'm just like, wow. He's like, he's like don't, you've got to pay attention to what's going on because I don't I'll repeat myself. Yeah, he's like, I don't repeat myself, so that, that's what I call a dumb question. Next question, please. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm good. Like, like I was, and that's one of those things where the kid was right next to me. I said, what? Ah, all right, I'm just gonna sit right over here. <laughs> go right over, go right over to the next seat. But like, you know, he just didn't play around, and you always like that was one of those things. He, if you were a new media member, he was very, very, very intimidating. Like. I remember, I remember when McAdoo took over the 
the team. I remember the first couple of times he did media with us. He was nice and friendly. He actually did one-on-ones with, with a lot of the, a lot of the media members. And I, I, I'm not going to name which media member asked him. They said, they asked Ben what his major, major thing he wants to do different with the media compared to Tom. And he says, well, if you ask something, I'm not going to snap at you. And, but mostly because Tom snapped was because he, he wanted to hold everybody who was around team accountable. He had expectations. Yeah, he, he had, had expect- expectations ex- of everyone, and he expected you to meet those expectations. And if you didn't, he was going to tell you about it. Yeah, you yeah, and, and he's old. He's old school. He's yeah. very old school. And it, but it 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 demands respect, right? It commands respect, right? When you recognize that that kind of mentality, when you put it together on a team, you can have success. Right. You can absolutely see where a mentality like that actually does take people from all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different mentalities and puts them on the same page. Dable's done that in a completely different way. But, JC, to your point, you're right. This is the first time that we've actually had a culture established from top down that all of the players have been able to get behind. And it hasn't happened since Concord. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I've been blessed and privileged to play three ourselves disciples nice greatest coach of all time and bill belichick right tom coughlin i had him for one year mm-hmm. my first year with new york but i was able to i was able to feel coughlin for sure <laughs> uh you know and then also sean payton three yeah. of our generation's greatest coaches all from that bill parcells tree and they're all very similar in their approach they're non nonsense man i remember sean payton cursing reggie bush out right in front of me my rookie year in the playoffs after uh, – was it in the playoffs? I don't know when it was, but at, Reggie muffed two punts. Oof. And Sean Payton – Let him know about it. Like, he looked at him in his face. Oh, man. <laughs> Hope I don't get Sean Payton in trouble. He looked at him and said, F you. Of course, he didn't say F. He right, said yeah, real yeah. word. <laughs> he looked at him in his face. He said, F you. And I was just like, oh my God. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like that's that's intense. <laughs> that was intense. But hey, again, that parcels lineage, they hold people accountable. Yep. Is the reason why three guys had tremendous amounts of success. You know, of course, you got one guy who ran away with Super Bowls and Bill Belichick, and then you got a guy who brought the only one to Louisiana, probably only when they will ever get something's wrong down there in New Orleans. I think it's really haunted down there. And <laughs> after we won our one, I think that's it. I that's don't it. know, man. Because they had the some Yanks. good teams down there, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the one of the only coaches to win in New York multiple times, you know, in time. Yeah. Well, guys, we're gonna transition real quick over into training camp. Um I want to ask you guys, <laughs> I'm so happy. It's scaring me. Um, I want you guys to, uh, let's, let's look at the offensive side of the ball. I want each of you guys to pick one player that you were, you're going to keep your eye on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'll go second. I'll start with JC. Oh, who you keep me first. Yeah. Who, who, who you keeping your eye on, on the offensive side of the ball? I have a, let's see if you stick and take the one I'm thinking of, because I have somebody who I'm keeping my eye on, but who are you keeping your eye on? on what kind of camp they're going to have. So you're talking about offensively, right? Yeah, from the offensive side of the ball. 
So I want to say Evan Neal, that's an even, that's an easy choice, right? That's an easy choice. I want to see where, where his knees at, where his health at, you know, how is he firing off the ball and, you know, because I think he's a tremendous athlete at that position. Um, you know, I don't think he put put it on film too much consistently last year. But I'm not going to say him, even just kind of said him. But I guess he's my B. My A, Daniel Bellinger. I want to see. I want to see that. You know why? Because we all know what Darren Waller is going to give us, yeah, right? right? If, and I'm talking about this today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We had the Patriots uh, um, preview, right? We played Patriots in, I think, week 12. And they were talking about the tight ends there. And I was like, well, they're not Gronk, you know, clearly. And the Patriots never truly needed a number one because they had Gronkowski, right? Darren Waller is not Gronkowski. He is a totally different weapon. He is a totally different animal. Daniel Bellinger is actually a lot like Gronkowski. And he can be an inline tight end and block defensive ends and linebackers and the other guys across that defensive line because he's like that. And Waller is not like that. Yes, he can block. You know, you put him out there, he's going to block. But Daniel Bellinger, if he can be that tight end that can just hold it down, because you got to think, the most talented guys in the NFL, the best athletes, they put to rush the passer. They put in situations where if you don't account for them, they will wreck the game. Guess who plays in front of those guys all the time? Daniel Bellinger. If he creates that hesitation to where I got to account for this guy in both the running game and the passing game, because Darren Waller is a passing threat, not too much of a running threat. Daniel Bellinger can do both, I think, equally well. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities this year because of Darren Waller and because of, I think, an upgraded receiver room. Yeah, sure. I think Daniel Bellinger is going to have opportunities. And we might not see it in training camp, but the things that I'm looking for is like that physical presence on the line because I think – a pretty good receiver, and as long as he's a pretty good receiver and a stalwart blocking tight end, I expect him to have a tremendous year for the New York Giants. We sure that, do like our two tight end formations too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a it's a, that's a great pick. I didn't even think of I didn't even think yeah. of Bellinger. Mine's not uh, that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going back and forth on which one I was going to go with here. Um, but I think I want. I have to say, Wandell Robinson. I want to keep. Mm. I, I got to keep an eye on him. See how he recovers from his injury from last year, because he definitely could be a wild card in that receiver room. Because he, right, when he got hurt, he was having his best game of the season in that game against Detroit. And if you're able to get that type of production out of him, man, it adds another dimension to that offense. I was going to say Sterling Shepard because all, all eyes will be on Sterling to see what he does coming off of his injury. But Wondell Robinson is just – he's sort of polarizing right now just because you want to see how he's going to come off of this, him being so young. Shep is being, being older. You know what he's about. He's a team-first guy. Whatever you get out of him right now is a bonus. Robinson, he's got to be a contributor. So I'm very intrigued to see how he – recovers from his injury and what he can contribute because he could be a wild card in that receiver room. He really can and make a major difference on the field for this team. 
Do you think he'll start, I guess, those both of those guys, Sterling and Wondell Robinson, do you think I start the year on the pup list? Shep, I'm not sure because they, you know, he's he did the workouts during the uh, OTAs and and uh, mandatory camp, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen next week with him. Uh, Robinson, yes, I think you'll probably see him maybe by week three or four, possibly. We'll see, but again, we have to see. We have to see how his workout. He, he was outside working during uh, OTAs and during uh, mandatory minicamp, so he well, was that out was- there the thing that was kind of encouraging to me that both Shep and Robinson seemed to be recovering fairly well yeah uh, from from their injuries you know they were they were all ahead of schedule uh, for you know for a lot of folks in terms of what they expected to see so uh, definitely good it's encouraging to see that they're both kind of making progress yeah and Ryan who do you got is your offensive player to watch so I've been thinking about this as well, and, and I've kind of gone back and forth between Paris Campbell and the guy that I'm actually going to choose. I, I am uh, very interested to see what Jalen Hyatt has. Um, I, I think if you – we've got a receiver room that's got a bunch of slot receivers in it, right? Paris Campbell, fastest blazes. Everybody's kind of projecting him to be in the slot. Wanda, great. In the slot. Jeff, great. In the slot. If you talk about the folks that are actually going to be outside, it's Darius and Hodgins for sure. Hodgins yeah. to a certain degree, but he's even even him. He's not going to take the top off of defense. Oh right? no, no, no. So I mean, if you start taking, if you start playing with who your outside guys can be, and Jalen Hyatt proves that he can actually uh, do that, right? You can run a couple of post routes and actually have two guys open out there while you've got Waller doing a deep post in the middle, right? You're talking about spreading out a defense to a degree that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. So the question is, can Jalen Hyatt do that? Um, and, you know, I think that gives us a real possibility of having having a wide receiver or if if uh, Slayton needs to take a couple of plays off the rest or something like whatever happens. You've got somebody that can play that position and be fast enough and be talented enough to really expand the defense and give us a lot more room underneath. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great pick. And on the defensive side of the ball, Ryan, we'll start with you. I, I my, my, my pick is going to be a little uh, surprising, but let's Ryan, go ahead. Yeah. I, I am very curious to see how Bobby Okereke fits within this defensive organization. Um, I want to see how well he can upgrade that position. We know he's going to be better than what we had last year, seeing that Gerard Davis is now going to be out for an extended period of time with his injury and surgery. Um, it becomes even more important for Okereke to make a difference in that uh, linebacker spot. But we know that as a defense, um, we have better help on the defensive line, right? We, we signed up Nacho, we signed up a Sean Robinson. We've got, uh, got Saxy Dexy and we've got um, Lawrence out there. So uh, the line is going to be more stout. Um, and so does that mean that the run, that the linebacker position is going to be a little bit more involved in coverage or is it going to be a little bit more in run? And is he going to be able to do both of those? to the degree that we need him to do that. So I know he's an immediate upgrade, but how much better did we get at that linebacker position now that we signed Bobby Okereke? That's a good pick. I, I was going to pick him. So I'll don't worry. I can, you know, improv. <laughs> go, go, go to it, go to it JC. What do you got? It, no, but it was a great pick, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, it's a great you, know, pick. you got a guy coming in 
who probably his best game last year was against the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. And I remember covering the game and I'm sitting there like, bro, this dude, he's <laughs> killing us right yeah. now. Like he was having a great game and it's good that, you know, coaches, when they see that, they're like, hey man, like what's up with that contract? What's that looking like over there? They brought that guy in. <laughs> hey, look, great. I think that was one of the better moves yeah. for the New York Giants this offseason, bringing in Okereke. But I'm looking at uh, the guy who had a, I think, second half of the season, had a tremendous second half of the season season in Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm. And I watched him just take over that Washington Commanders game. Like, I don't think I've seen that in a long time. He just dominated, especially from the beginning of the game. Tackle for loss, tackle for loss, sack, fumble, like just just boom, 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 boom. He played and, like a top top five pick. You know, he – he... I'm not going to lie. Though I went to one practice last year, you know – Last year, I was on my little scooter. You know, I went to one practice. I was like, I'm not coming back out here on this damn scooter. <laughs> but the one practice I went to, when I saw Kayvon Thibodeau, and I hope this is not, excuse me, I hope this is not what's happening this year. When I saw him in the beginning of practice, he was perfusively sweating. And oh. I'm just sitting here like, was it an off day yesterday? They had an off day. And I'm like, all right. Hopefully, it's I can blame it on an off day. And I, I'm... I just hope he doesn't show up to camp out of shape. Yeah. Like that is a that would be a sin if you show up yeah. to train to camp out of shape. So I'm look I'm paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy who has the most potential probably out of anybody on the whole entire defensive roster for your football giants and, and big expectations and this year. If you don't work at your craft, mm-hmm. you will First of all, you're put, you will not reach your potential, but you will be made an example out of on the field because every single guy out there is working on their craft. Some of these guys are in double-digit years. They have businesses that they run. They have entire enterprises that they take care of. You think if you're not training during the offseason, you're going to compete against these guys? You're fooling yourself. It don't last for a certain amount of time. You know, and look, I'm not saying he is or he not. I just... When I saw him, I'm like, this is the beginning of practice, and he's winding and drinking water. And I'm talking about, like, this is stretch. They ain't even getting an individual yet. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, man, look, I don't want to talk any crap about him, nothing like that. I just, I'm looking for him to show up in shape and have a good training camp. That's right. what I'm going to be paying attention to on the defense because he can be a phenomenal player for the Giants. And as we all know, because we're all big Giants fans, the defensive line runs the New York Giants football team. Mm-hmm. That is yes, the, the that's the room that runs this team. Yes, the inside guys, Dexter Lawrence and and uh Leonard Williams and, and Nacho and Ashawn, like, yeah, they're gonna hold that down. But we need guys affecting the best player on the field, which mm-hmm. is that quarterback every single game, and that's Kayvon. Yep. Now for mine, I was thinking about the three different guys, one of them being Xavier McKinney. Because about the leadership role, but I'm not going with him. I was thinking about going Jahadi Ward because of his leadership of what he brings to the field because he is the outspoken leader on that defense. But my guys, my guy is uh, O'Shane Zimenez. Oh. And, and the reasoning why was when he played well last season, that defense played very, very well. Mm-hmm. He, he was, he did some real great things on the field at times last year, and they resigned him back this year for a one year deal. So he, he too is playing for his supper right now. Um, hopefully if he can keep going and keep, keep proving them wrong, he was in Joe judge's doghouse yeah. for a long time. And what, last year 
playing under Wink, he really, really was had some great moments. And so I'm really going to keep an eye on him to see what he's going to be doing during camp. And hopefully he's, uh, you know, he can just keep improving and keep getting better out there because they're going to need him. They're yeah, really I was just going to say, we need gonna, that depth. Yeah. They, they're going to need him. And, uh, you know, again, we can look go with the obvious, the obvious uh, characters like Xavier McKinney and how he's going to step in more of a leadership role now that, um, Love. Oh man, Jordan. Yeah, Julian Love. Julian Love went to Seattle. Sorry, I had a brain fart there. And it's just it, it you know, how he was going to handle leadership out out there, and obviously Jahadi Ward, just because he is he's like an energy guy for that for that team. Mm-hmm. But man, as Ziminus is playing well, it, it just adds, a, like you said, very good depth to that defense, which they need. And and also, he's a he's a great contributor on special teams, which mm. we don't really give enough love to on yeah. this show. Oh, man. I'm going to take full responsibility for that, okay? <laughs> but you got guys like like O'Shane Zimenez, who's not only going to get his you know defensive snaps and you know be able to play some good football out there with a good group of guys on defense, but he's going to be one of those core teamers. And you got you throw Coughlin in there, you throw Belton in there, you throw some of those younger safeties, those the third and fourth safeties, the third and fourth linebackers, the third and fourth fifth pass rushers, yeah. right? Those guys, that's a whole third of the game. And O'Shane, if he plays well and contributes in both special teams on defense, that can raise the whole level of the team. I look at O'Shane as me in my fourth and fifth and sixth year in the NFL when I played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and when I got signed by the New England Patriots. I was that third inside linebacker, nickel linebacker, cover guy. And then also I was a four-core teamer. I played on all four special teams units, and I felt like I was a dominant player. The Giants need guys like that. I think O'Shane is one of those guys, and I expect him to not only show up on defense but on special teams as well. Yeah, and right before we uh, finish up, guys, with training camp starting next week, obviously the rookies are starting on Monday. Uh, Exciting time if you're a Giant fan. JC, I have a few training camp memories. I'm going to give you one after we hear yours. Do you have any – is there a training camp story that you have that can stick out? I got some. I'm. A, I'm. A, let's. Can we do this? Because I got a whole bunch of them. I'll give y'all one this week. Hopefully, we'll we we'll, we we'll talk again next week. Yeah. I'll give you another one next week through training camp. I'll give you some stories. Okay. Yeah. We'll do. We'll so, do one a week. We'll do one a week all the way through camp. That's fine. My my first training camp. This was like, like my welcome to the NFL. You fucking rookie. Right? <laughs> my moment. This is my moment. Right. So Greg Williams was my defensive coordinator my rookie year, right? All the stories we've heard about Greg Williams and everything that's happened with him. Um, He was a lunatic, okay? That's number one. And (laughs) there was one blitz we had where the linebacker would match up against any two vertical route, right? The two happened to be a wide receiver. And it was a vertical route. And he was running extremely fast. (laughs) (laughs) The ball was probably thrown by Daniels. Mm -hmm. Chase got a gun. He throws that ball over my head, and I kind of jump forward, miss it. Receiver catches it. I stop running like it's a touchdown. I just stop running, and I turn back. I'm like 50 yards field. And I turn around, Greg Williams is sprinting towards me. (laughs) And I'm like, not a sight you want to see. 
Oh, oh gosh, he's coming to me. And I'm sitting there like, what he said. If you ever effing walk on my field ever again, I'll send your ass back to New Brunswick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he hit me. I was like, yes, coach. Okay, yes, sir. <laughs> never, I, coach, ever, I'll never do it again, coach. <laughs> ever again, bro. Ever again, bro. Like, I was that that in your face, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, you know, he hit me with that real early. And, you know, and Greg Williams ended up being, for me, you know, my saving graces. You know, he's a guy that kept me around. And, you know, I played some good football for him and all the extra, you know, BS that happened later on with the bounty stuff. You know, that is what it is. But, you know, he was definitely a guy that, you know, helped me out my rookie year, uh, him and Joe Vitt. And um, I think that helped me. That him cursing me out like that, um, you know, may, and I think my practice habits because of that just was like, I can't be loafing. I can't loaf. I can't walk. Ever. I'm chasing everything down, you know, and that helped me show up, I think, a little bit more as well. Full speed all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, a media story for you, JC, which I, you were actually there for. Uh, we were sitting there. It was one of the days at camp. And it was hot, and we were all just we were just all like, you know how these guys get with with, with media. They just gonna want to complain a little bit, just want to get back inside and get out. You get get eat chicken wings and get out of the heat, and we, we wanted to eat too. You guys got done with practice, and you guys all had lunch outside. I guess there was some sort of barbecue, or everyone was sort of sitting outside, and we're all just waiting there like this, and we're sitting there waiting. <laughs> And we're waiting, and we're looking at all of you guys sitting on the side eating, and we're sitting there for another twenty minutes. We waited a close to an hour. And was then, it that long? It was waited an hour, and the best part was Dion and Jen, and even Pat Halen was. Everyone was trying to get somebody to come over, and McAdoo was sitting there just like, "No, let the guys eat. Let the guys eat. Let the guys eat." So we're like, okay, well, you know, maybe they'll give us Eli today. Maybe they'll give us someone today. They gave us Orleans Dark Whip. Nice. And this was my favorite. They gave us Gino. And then they gave us Davis Webb before Davis got cut. <laughs> Unreal. Wow. Yeah. Unreal. And you had you, I'm not gonna name the beat writer's name. You said, but you heard him say, You made us wait an hour for that. Nephew <laughs> so, media. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, at least they can do is bring us over a sandwich, right? <laughs> like, I tell you what, everybody has their share of of training camp stories. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I don't have one goddamn training camp story. I need one. Well, you need yeah, I you need, need one. one. We need to get Ryan at practice, man. Yes. Well, that's that's gonna happen this year. Yes. And also, I I guess I'll let the cat out of the bag. We need to come up with a contest for next week. We need to come up with a contest for next week. I officially have tickets to training camp to give off on this show. So we have. So we will come up with something. We will have a little meeting. We'll come up with something this week to uh, give give away. Uh, a set of training camp tickets to come out and awesome. watch the uh, watch the Giants, guys. Check out the Big Blue Report with Jonathan Casillas, with Ryan Darlington, and myself, Randy Zelia, every single week. Now that we're back into football mode, we'll back be back every single week. So, back, and, and we are so excited to 
talk Giants football with all of you. Thank you so much for your patience through the summer or through the spring, I mean. And now it is now summertime. It is football time, getting you ready for the 2023 New York Football Giants season. For Ryan Darlington, that's Jonathan Casillas. I'm Randy Zellia. We will see you next week here on the Big Blue Report.